Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. God who alone is worthy to be praised. The God to whom we lift our hands and our hearts for mercy in time of need, for grace to help in time of need. You prove yourself, Lord, ever present in time of trouble. And Lord, you're the God of prosperity, the God who gives us hope in a future, the God who is the source of all true joy, the God who gives lasting joy. Dissolve in your presence, Lord. We need you to be manifest in our midst. Thank you, Holy One. Thank you for hearing the prayers of your people, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us this blessed opportunity to gather the beginning of every week to worship the one to whom alone all worship and glory is due. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I pray, Lord, that the word of God would go forth and do a healing work in the souls of your people, a healing work in the minds of God's people, a healing work in the bodies of God's people. Because, Lord, when you're in the temple, miracles abound. Hallelujah. You are the God of the house of God, El Bethel. Hallelujah. The God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. The God who can lift us up out of our burdens. Hallelujah. In an instant. Hallelujah. It takes less than a second for God to lift us up out of our pit. Hallelujah. Out of our burden. Because He's so strong. Hallelujah. Because He's the King of the universe. Hallelujah. There is no power greater than the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for being with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Being with, with us, Lord, in the mountaintop experiences. Lord, in the good times and the bad times. You remain constant. You're always good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We can't help but say hallelujah over and over and over again. Because you are to be praised, O Lord. We thank you and bless your name, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you. We need you. Oh, Jesus, speak to your people today. Lord, give us that heart of assurance, O Lord, that we can know that we can approach the living God clean, hallelujah, through the blood of the Lamb, that we can come and partake of the Lord's table, having been cleansed and then being cleansed again. Hallelujah. The power of the blood of Jesus is that it not only cleanses once, but it will continue to cleanse and keep us until we appear before the throne of God, faultless and without blame. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You alone are blameless. You alone are holy. You call this Lord out of darkness to be holy unto you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord, for every soul that's here to hear from God. Every soul that's present in the house of God and also watching online where the presence of God is going. God is not limited by space. Father, you're not limited by time. You transcend everything, Lord. You're far above all. Hallelujah. Every principality in power must bow down to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, you have picked us up out of our despair. In every confusion that has ever come to our lives, the moment you stepped in, it disappeared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we don't have to be afflicted anymore with confusion haunting us, not knowing who we are, where we're going. But the Lord is there. He's not just the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the light in our very hearts today. Hallelujah. We have a living hope. The hope and resurrection is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to get in the right frame of mind right now. 
to get in the right posture right now. Lord, we need to bow low before the King of Kings so that you can lift it up, lift us up, Lord, and embrace us. Hallelujah. You said to him that overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down on my father's throne. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. We are called to overcome. Not just the ups and downs in life and all of the instability. We're called to overcome that serpent, the liar, the devil, who comes to steal, kill and destroy. He cannot rob us anymore. Hallelujah! Because we won't allow it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! We will have peace in our families. We will have hope. Hallelujah! We will speak words of faith. It's not mind over matter. It's God over the devil. Hallelujah. Yes. It's God over the devil. Hallelujah. It's faith over doubt. Hallelujah. And faith is in the living Christ. The resurrected Christ. He's alive forevermore. He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. The same crucified hands. The same crucified feet. And he said, behold, I'm alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. We don't worship a dead guru. We worship the living God. Hallelujah. The living God. The God. The only God. The almighty God. We can't help but shout and praise His name. God tells us, shout unto God. Make a joyful noise. Clap unto God. All you people. Hallelujah, because He's good. He's good. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just when we think that we're being swallowed up with so many problems and fear and doubt and this looming, haunting specter of death that follows a man, a woman, and child all their life long, Jesus said, I've come to break the power of death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because death is swallowed up in victory. For those who know this, not just as a distant truth, but know it as a present reality. Oh, God, how good you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rich in love and mercy. My Father, you are the owner of the sky, the owner of the land, the owner of the universe and sky. My Father, you are. My Father, you are. My Father, you are. Oh, in the midst of tragedies, in the midst of national tragedies, people who profess to be Christian or some semblance of faith in Jesus It's so sad that they feel all alone and they begin to look to other sources because they never had a proper understanding of Jesus. They begin to do just like anyone else in the world because they don't have a living connection with the living Christ. But it's when we take the Lord while things are going good and we say, Lord, everything I have, everything I own is but from your hands. As King David said, Lord, we have given back to you that which is due to you. But I, the king, David said, and all the people that have brought to build the temple of the Lord. He said, after all, Lord, we've only brought to you what you have given to us first. We're not doing anything big. Oh, he's the best father. He's the best father. Jesus said, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Most endearing term. Not a distant father of rules and regulations and harsh discipline. But Abba, Father, my daddy. Oh, you know my heart, Lord. And I want so much in this life more than anything to know you, to know your heart. Because when we know the king, we have the kingdom. Hallelujah. We have authority in Jesus' name.
I have authority and power in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against me, no tongue that is raised shall stand. Hallelujah. I have authority and power in Jesus' name. So no weapon formed against me, no tongue that is raised shall stand. Let's go to the next verses. Thank you, Lord. Who has authority and power in Jesus? Who can actually be able to exercise that divine authority of true sonship and daughtership with the Most High God? Who is able to say, whatever weapon is forged in hell against me, against my family, against my life, cannot prosper. It will fail. It can be formed over and over again. The devil can try again and again and again. But God says, it will not prosper against you. And every tongue that rises up against you, why? Not because you're doing something wrong, but because you are following the light, Jesus Christ. All hell is against those, not who merely say, I love Jesus, but who demonstrate it by following him. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No tongue that is raised shall stand. Oh, I have authority and power in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against me. No tongue that is raised shall stand. Oh, what a confession. What a powerful confession. Throughout the centuries, whether people met in little cottages outside in the middle of the night by some river, or in big cathedrals. The ones who know their God, the Bible says, will do great exploits. What does that mean? They will have the faith and the courage to to step forward and take back the territories that the devil stole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And every weapon that the devil forms to try to recapture them, it will fail. It will fail. And every word that is spoken against us, God told the Israelites... Even a dog, that is from the enemy company, cannot prosper in any bark against you. Hallelujah. In essence, that's what he was saying. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Who did he say that to? He said that to David. He said that to Solomon, to Moses, to Joshua. Everyone who knows the living God. God says, I myself will not only put my seal of approval on you, I won't just endorse you, I'll be standing with you. Hallelujah! Jesus is different. All our lives long, we tried to follow things and people and ideas, only to be let down. It's a tragedy to be alive physically and to be dead spiritually. Oh, but thank God, one day you and I were Dead. The Bible says in trespasses, that means violations. We stepped into territories we shouldn't have. We have done evil in the sight of God. We have trespassed against God. And he said, you have also died because of the sins. The Bible says the wages of sin, the paycheck you get for violating God's law, is always and only death. Not just physical death, that came from the curse because of our forefathers. But we also experience spiritual death while we're physically alive. That's the worst kind of death. Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. Meaning, that even the passage of a human soul from this side of eternity to the next will be merely a curtain and a moment in time. The Lord says through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. 
That means the moment we breathe our last on this side of eternity, for those who have faith in the resurrected Christ, the very next instant, according to God, is that we'll be awake in His presence. But that promise is only for those who know Him. God invites us to say, Lord, it's not about me, myself and I. Oh, I can hardly convey to you the revolution that came in my life and many of you. When we're so caught up in our comforts, our deliverances, and our this and that, and God is concerned with that, but there comes a moment where you look completely like that sunflower turns its direction to the sun. The focus is the Son of God. And when we look at Him, maybe for the first time, look full in His wonderful face. And all the things of this world become strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. There's no philosophy. I've I've tried everything and many of you have tried everything. And I know, every human soul knows, every human soul, deep down inside, when you're trying to grasp for meaning in life, it's like a grasping after the wind, because you know, as good of a game that's being talked right now by whoever, whether past or present, there's this very deep sense of insecurity that says, deep down inside, I don't think it's true. Or, I know it's not true, but I'm hoping to have some kind of substance to go on because I need to go another another day. Only to be let down when the next big opposition comes against us. Because we find, after all, you know what? None of this can hold any water to the things that devastate human beings every year, generation after generation. We cannot solve our problems by ourselves. Any problem that gets solved on this planet, no matter how many people get together with all their intellect, wisdom, and resources, it's the hand of God that causes any kind of prosperity. That's the truth. Because we are not able without the breath that God gives us, without the sunshine that God gives us, without the energy and the physical life and the working minds, without everything that God gives, we can't do anything. The moment God says, it's over, it's over. But the moment God said, it's not over, it's not over no matter who says it's over. Amen? Hallelujah! And that is a living hope. Jesus Christ has been manifest in our midst in this church by the grace of God and proven himself over and over again to lift people out of the lowest depression imaginable. When no matter what good word a friend came along to tell them, no matter what leisurely activity or present somebody gave, They take it in their hands, but it's like the sand falling right through the hand. There is no concrete freedom from any of our prisons except for Jesus. The Lord who opens the prison. Hallelujah. You know when? At midnight. Hallelujah! At midnight! Just like Paul and Silas experienced And everything is supposed to be over and nobody can hear you and everybody's asleep, hallelujah. God does not slumber nor sleep. The God of Israel is wide awake all the time. And the Bible says His eyes are upon His, not just subjects, people in His kingdom and servants to do what He wants. God is not some cosmic, indifferent, self-absorbed ruler. But he manifested his love in that he stepped down and he spread out his hands and got crucified to save us from our misery forever. He's a loving God. And that's the God that comes to us in our prisons. The God of love. You know, love brings hope. 
There's no such thing as hope without love. The love of God, the Bible says in Romans, is shed abroad, it's spreading all over the human heart. By the Holy Spirit. And that brings us hope that never gives us shame, never brings shame. Hallelujah. Oh, the love of Jesus is so powerful. And in this church, we have seen God not just as some kind of philosophical religious concept, something to fall back on when you feel the pressures of life. Let's get together and have a community and love on each other. No, if God is not here, nobody gets delivered. Amen? But because God is here, people are getting set free. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! From the worst depression... 38 years of depression. We have someone right here. 38 years of manic depression. When all of the drugs failed, all of the doctors failed, even the people who are supposed to have faith and provide comfort and a solution, they failed also. You know why? Because they didn't really believe in the Jesus that they were talking about. But then this individual came here by the grace of God. Now boast is in the one with the nail scarred hands. Hallelujah. Who delivers today through his blood and through his power. He's alive. He's alive. And in an instant, this individual is set free. Hallelujah. People online are present. People who were at each other's throats. In marriage which is supposed to be holy matrimony, till death do us part, for better or for worse. You can't explain it, but I'm going to work. I'm making money. We're doing things together. But there's this animosity and resentment you just can't shake off. You try and try to show love, but you have this resentment deep inside and it just cannot be conquered. We have people who have come from various places to this church after years of being a quote-unquote Christian. Years of even serving God, quote-unquote. But a deep-rooted resentment. Do you know what it feels like? It's horrible. It, it eats away at you. Even when you think you're having fun, you may be engaged in some hobby and some people feel very content and fulfilled in their work, occupation. Others in reading a book, watching a movie, going to a nice restaurant, but it just doesn't solve the problem. Because that deep root of resentment is the nature of the devil. And the devil doesn't come just to visit. He comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But when Jesus comes to the person's heart, that which they know I can never get over this, all of a sudden gets destroyed. Hallelujah! And it takes one, hallelujah, it takes one person to feel the love of Almighty God melt away all the hatred and resentment. The inability to love. I don't know what love is. A lot of people say, I don't know what love is. Because the world speaks of love. The movies try to depict love. Good novels try to de- depict love. They talk about phileo, friendly love, and even in a marital relationship, another kind of love. And then they talk about this disinterested, unselfish love. And they say, I I know something about that. I've seen people who went out of their way to rescue somebody in a ditch on the highway. They were not the state police. They were not firemen. They were not anything except an ordinary citizen. What made them stop? Sometimes you ask them and they say, well... I couldn't just pass by because I was thinking, what if that were my son or daughter or me? Oh, so they have this understanding of this golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do, where do they get that from? It's God's image. You see, the worst person on the planet, God says, is still created in the image of God. That's why we're so lonely. That's why no matter what we do, we still feel like orphans. We still feel like I don't have my compass all together. I try different things and for a while it seems to be okay. But I keep drowning in the same ditch, in the same swamp, in the same quicksand. I don't know how to have real peace. I don't know how to have real love. Jesus comes and demonstrates love. 
Jesus comes and imparts love. Jesus comes and gives us a reason for living. And furthermore, we have people right here. I talked about a neurological problem. An emotional problem. I talked about a relational problem. These are real problems. But also we have people right here who had tumors disappear. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. How do you say this? How can you talk about this? Are you trying to propagandize something? Are you trying to market something? No, I'm just telling you the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When a doctor comes and says, ma'am, that growth that we found that I thought was malignant, it was. But we have successfully removed it from you. Do you think the lady is going to say and the family is going to say, are you trying to use propaganda on me? Are you lying to me, doctor? Are you trying to market your practice? Nobody would say that. For the joy, because they know this person is acting on my best interest. Beloved, if we have such hope in a physician who's nothing more than flesh and blood, here today, gone tomorrow, how much more should we trust the word of God? The great physician, hallelujah! If God says, I've come to heal you, we have to believe his word. Shouldn't we give God more respect? Shouldn't we give him more reverence, have more faith in him than people that are mortals just like us? Who will perish just like us? And even if somebody cures the most incurable disease, tell me, can they be around to guarantee that they can take that person to heaven after they die? When you look at the grand scheme of things, how quickly years passed. I was driving and I was thinking how 20 years just flew by. And you think, maybe half my life is over. Maybe more than half my life is over. Who knows? Maybe 75%, maybe 90%, maybe 99%. Most of us don't know. But you know what? We have movies. We have novels. We have restaurants, we have travel, we have sports, we have all of these things to do what? Very often, to suppress the truth that time is ticking. And before you know it, we'll stand not only before death, we'll stand before the living God who gave us his breath, who said, I loved you all your life. All your life I was watching over you. But you didn't care to know me. How do you feel if you're a parent? You're pouring out over and over. You, you call somebody up on the phone. Maybe your child. And you're just waiting to talk to the child. Because you love the child. And the child says, I don't want to talk to you. And you think as a mom or as a dad. Okay, maybe he or she's going through something. I'm the parent. I need to give some space. But then the child does it again the next week. Years pass and the child wants nothing to do with you. Do you know the pain that carries? You may be successful climbing up the corporate ladder and you smile and you get awards and you're famous, but you're missing the essential element of the relationship with your child. Who can fix that? I'm here to tell you God can. Hallelujah! There are people right here whose relationships were dead. Hallelujah. And God resurrected it. Hallelujah. He resurrected it. If God can change what we know as this human heart, which is the real me, not the organ, but the person. If God can change that, can He also change your body? The one who created every cell do you know he can get right to the mitochondria in your cells? He knows how to talk to the cells. Hallelujah. He told Abraham, look, I know, naturally speaking, you are far too old and so is your wife to have any child. Far too old. The both of you cannot have a child. Humanly speaking. But I'm coming today to speak to you something. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a child. 
And the Bible says that man who is about a hundred years old, the very year before he had the child, after 25 years, why does God make me wait? We have this cry. People who are wanting to have something done in their lives, you say, Lord, you've done so much for me, but what about this area, Lord? What about this area? There are times when you feel like you can't go on. There are times when you feel like giving in. There are times when you feel like you can't try anymore. There are times of trouble in believing. This test of your faith will last as long as it takes to pass till you have no more doubt you'll endure and your faith will emerge true and pure. No doubt it'll be all right. With God it'll all work together for good. No doubt in the end it will be understood. No doubt it'll all work out. With faith He can move any mountain for us. No doubt in the end it will be understood. And after all is done, we find out what we really need to have is no doubt. That's what we need. Abraham heard. He just heard a sentence from God. God says, trust me. And like a child, he was nearly a hundred years old, but like a child, he said, yes. I'm stepping through the threshold. I'm coming against that inertia. I'm coming against doubt. Everything that my body says, that human life says, I'm trusting the one who transcends everything, the living God. He spoke to me. And he saw the fulfillment of that the very next year. No doubt it'll be all right. With God it'll all work together for good. No doubt in the end it will be understood. No doubt it'll all work out with faith. With faith he can move any mountain for us. No doubt in the power of Jesus. And after all is done, we find out all we really need to have is no doubt. That's how God works. You mean the difference between me getting out of this rut to having a breakthrough, no matter how many years, no matter how long I've been longing to for deliverance, you mean the, the difference is, you know, if you do a calculation mathematically, whether you're a physicist or a mathematician or a, a strong, uh, astronaut, whatever you are, or a medical scientist, we look at equations, we look at reactions and actions, we, we look at, well, how do you get to this point? They say, well, you need to throw in an enzyme into this biochemical reaction. And it's going to work on that substrate. And you see an arrow, and you see a delta sign, you see all these changes, and you say, well, this is the net result. But it took all these ingredients for your deliverance, for your healing, for your salvation. The Lord says, I'm giving it to everybody. God is equal opportunity. But no matter where you come from, where you've been, God says, just believe. Just believe. When a child goes to school and it's the beginning of a new year or the child is in a new school, there's this apprehension. I don't know anyone here. I have no friends. I don't know what the teacher's going to be like. I don't know if I'm wearing the right clothing. Will the kids accept me? I don't know if I'm smart enough. And the child goes in, you know, something wonderful happens. The child that goes in with so much of pressure, by the end of the day or even before the end of the day, the child starts getting a little comfortable. So people do like me. 
people are likable. I can see that I can do some of these lessons. I think I'd like to come back tomorrow. What happened? There's a hope that arose. But it's all sensory. It's all experiential. It's based upon observation and reflection. All that goes on in the background. Same thing with adults who goes to a new job or new location. There's this acclimatization that happens. Just like the muscles that get worked. There's a load that comes on it, but then the muscle adapts. We go through life adapting to different things and we find out, you know what? A lot of my fears were unfounded. But the fear that comes when you don't have God, that's not unfounded, that's real. And that's the very thing that Christ comes to solve. Because he said, you can trust me. I will never do you harm. How many of you have experienced the Lord like that? Has he ever done you harm? Never. Never. He's only done good. He's only done good. Now, a believer says, okay, so here's the cross, but I'm an Anglican. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Baptist. I'm an atheist. We have a person actually who's a scientist for about 15 years who was an atheist. He was a Hindu formerly. Some of you know who I'm talking about. He's on fire for God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you think, what? A full-blown atheist? Who said the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales? Look. And somebody says, that's ridiculous. You know what? It's as ridiculous as somebody saying, I believe the moon is made out of cheese. And you know what? I don't care what telescope, Hubble bubble, whatever you call it. I'm telling you, my eyes can see. <laughs> That's cheese right there, friend. You know the craters? Have you seen Swiss cheese? The craters look just like that. So what's the problem? It's just a little bit away. And nobody's ever taken a bite out of it. So you can't tell me. You think, well... But you know what? That's the same line of reasoning. A lot of times people use. They say, well, this is what I feel. But when does our feelings validate the truth? This is what I think. How many people have thought wrong? Hitler thought way off. He thought that I can make a superior race. And he was the pawn of Satan to do unimaginable destruction human life. How did he start out? Oh, I want to be a priest. So many people who turned out to be very, very destructive to humanity. What made them want to be a priest? There's the image of God. There's something deep within even the worst person. There's something within that says there's got to be something better. Then you have imaginations and storyboards and movies and people make novels and they have poetry and they say, well, I'm having a taste of this aesthetic side of life. It feels good. But you know what? There's a reality behind that. There's a God who designed a beautiful world and beautiful universe. Any way you think about it, philosophically, scientifically, experientially, Jesus breaks every barrier. Jesus comes and heals us. He says, if you look to me, you'll be saved. If you come to me, I will heal you. When everybody is laughing and having a wonderful time, do you know I was in that situation? I was in an apartment building back in the 1980s, gasping for life, for breath. I used to, inch by inch, go over to the window while almost collapsing because of this severe chronic bronchial asthma. And I looked outside the window from the 11th floor and I saw the little children playing just like me, And I thought, man, I wish I could play again. And I had to go back before I collapsed to the bed. In those times, I used to think, but I was there playing with them. Why am I here? And then at the dinner table, my brother would be there, my sister, before my younger sister was born. You know, as an 8, 9, 10, 11 year old, I used to look at their hands. Why are we eating together? Nobody knew what I was thinking. I used to say, why am I so frail? Why am I struggling to breathe? How come they're happy and they're able to 
I never told them that, but these are the feelings that went inside of me. I felt so distraught and hopeless. And then when I was told that, look, if you don't uh, manage this properly and you don't exert yourself too much, you can end up in the hospital. And I started having these morbid fears. I began to cry. Who can help such a person, even a child? And that's when the Lord led me to start reading the book of Proverbs as a child. And I began to read it and then, you know, we can't always know what God is using. But he engineered it so that I had to look for him. And when I started reading the Proverbs, I began to find out there's wisdom here that I've never heard before. And I'm seeing this thing play out while I look outside the window. When I look at my life, then I found out that that's not the only book in the Bible. Right to the Gospels. Jesus Christ. And I began to go to church. And I remember Easter morning, Sunday morning, early in the morning, sunrise service in the dark when it was cold. I, I got up and I put on my clothing. I was wheezing so heavily, but nobody in my family came. I was the one, 6 o'clock in the morning, the dark, inching my way in the street to the church. And when I got there, the sun had come up and we were in a little amphitheater outside and I was coughing, but I was so full of joy. I held the hymnal book and these old hymns started being so meaningful to me, became so meaningful. And I was so happy looking at people sing to the Lord. And I felt this joy. And after the service, I limped my way back home and it was filled with joy. I said, thank you, Lord. And then as I got healed, I began to see the old people on the way to church and coming back. And I sat down and spent time with them. I was just a little teenager. God touches you and you begin to learn what love is. You begin to see love is not about me. It's about God and other people. And then I saw people whose hearts were helped and transformed, even on the deathbed of a man stricken with cancer. Who puts this in us? When everybody's in that rat race and trying to, you know, I want to go here and I, I want to get tickets to that and, uh, and next year I like to do this. And God says, if you live for yourself, you're among the living dead. But if you get pulled out of that through the grace of God, you begin to really breathe and live. You begin to say, Lord, life is about you, from you. And you know, when you connect with God like that, He begins to work in you. And all of a sudden, the day I got healed, I remember I was reading a testimony around that time of a man who was 17 years old, had a deformed heart and was on his deathbed. 17 years old. A young man at that time. And he said, as I was laying on the bed, I knew my time was short. And he said, he became a preacher later. He said, suddenly Mark 11, 22 to 25. This is why the word of God is so important. He said, it just came like a ray of light broke into my heart and I began to believe and understand. If I ask God for something, I pray and believe, God will give it to me. And he said, faith came in, a miracle happened, he lived for the next, I think 70 years or so, preaching the gospel all over the place. Everywhere he'd tell people, I was a 17 year old. I was at the end of his rope. And I read that years later, maybe 50, 60 years later, I saw it in a little pamphlet. And faith started growing in me too. And then God brought me somebody who walked a life of faith and he prayed for me and I believed the same verse again. And in May of 1990, I was delivered, as you know, from chronic asthma. Hallelujah. No more wheezing, no more suffering, no more fear. I had a lot of fear attached to that. A lot of fear. I tried swimming, I tried weight training, modified this and that, and the doctor said, you need to lie down flat on your back, and I'm going to give you some uh, pointers. You you want to put some books on your stomach and and breathe with your belly so your pulmonary function hopefully could improve. He said, but no. He said, I'm telling you, you have chronic. It's going to be with you all your life long. I'm just trying to help you manage it. Does Jesus come to help you manage something? Jesus comes to set us free. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God doesn't come to give us pointers on how to cope. What does he give us? What's the H word? He comes to give us hope and healing. Hallelujah. 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 
What God has spoken so far in this exhortation, which is an encouragement and an urging for you to trust God, Spirit of God is talking to you. He is setting you up for a miracle. Hallelujah! The Bible says, we know of what we speak. This is not just hearsay. This is not just an idea. This is not just some kind of pep talk from a coach. This is reality and truth. Those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, make a commitment today and say, Lord, I'm not content where I'm at. Lord, I want everything you have for me so that I can be everything you called me to be. Amen? Lord, I believe in you. And for those who may not know or doubt, I want you to know something. The very first thing that attracted me to Jesus and will always be the main attraction, God loves you. God loves you. God knows the end from the beginning, the Bible says. He knows every single thought you've ever thought. He knows every moment of despair. When you thought you were all alone, he was still there. The Bible says in the book of Acts, when Paul the Apostle went to Athens in the first century, and he saw all these idols, the Bible says his spirit was stirred up. This famous, he was a lawyer actually, and he was one of the five greatest intellectual minds of all human history by many accounts. He was so brilliant. He just stepped into Athens and he saw a whole bunch of idols. And it says when he saw that, the Spirit of God in him stirred his spirit. And he says, oh, these people need to know the truth. You know what he did? He saw one altar idol and it says to the unknown God. They had a multiplicity of gods. And he said, man, brothers, I see that you are very religious. But there's a altar here that I want to tell you about. You have the inscription to the unknown God. I'm here to tell you who that is. And then he said, God who created everything is not far from us at all. He's very near. You see, we may be far from God, but He's not far from us. We can't comprehend it humanly, but it's the truth, spiritually speaking. We may be far from God because there's a barrier called unbelief, doubt. But God is very close. The moment you say, this is it, I want Jesus. And you say, Lord, take my hand. Instantly He'll take your hand. Hallelujah. He will pull you through that threshold. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is the living God. This is the living God. The resurrection and the life. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. I want you to stand if you could, please. If you could. Jesus said, he made a promise. He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whoever comes to me, I will never ever say Go back, go away. He said he'll embrace them. God wants to hold you in his arms today. The living God. Jesus said, behold my hands and my feet. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'm the same Jesus that walked the roads of Israel and Decapolis on the side and Tyre and Sidon and all this territory. He said, there was me. And I was the one that they crucified publicly. And they took me to this place called Golgotha, the skull. And they humiliated me. They mocked me. They pulled my beard. They, they made these horrible inroads into my back. They plowed it like a plowed field. I was in agony. But I went the distance. You know why? To bring you back to the Father. Hallelujah. That same Jesus 
death couldn't hold him after he paid the price. On that Peshach Passover, he became the Lamb of God. Three days later, they couldn't find his body. They set the Roman guard with a seal. Nobody gets past that. It's instant death. You try to mess with a Roman soldier, especially if the governor's seal is on that tomb. Instant death. Who got through that little army? The angel of God. When the women braved death and they showed up early Sunday morning, were they coming to look for a corpse? They may have because they forgot what God said. But then somebody tapped Mary, so to speak, and said, why are you weeping? She said, because they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. And then she's, Jesus said, Mary, when she questioned and said, do you know? And she said instantly, Rabboni. She knew it's the same Jesus. The same one that died. He's right here. The same nail-pierced hands, nail-pierced feet. And they were told to run and tell the others who were huddled in fear. And a revolution started. The men that were cringing in fear, the men that were all about themselves, turned the world upside down and it has never stopped. Hallelujah. You know why? Because God is a living God. He's the God of miracles. That's why today in many countries, even countries that are closed to Western influence, people are waking up who are devoutly fixed on their religion with very strict rules and a lot of repression. They're waking up and saying, I I saw Jesus. I don't know anything about him. And they became Christians. They said, the hope that I have, the forgiveness, the love, and many times healings happen, physical healings. And they know this is their living God. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, I pray that the words that your people heard will cause them, Lord, to do something about it. To do something about it. Say, Lord, I've come this far. I'm not going back without you. Hallelujah. I want you, Lord, for the rest of my life, forever, for eternity. And I want to do what you call me to do. I know I matter to you. God is emotionally concerned about you. He's emotionally concerned about you. You're not just a number to God. He cares about you because his heart bleeds when you're in trouble. That's the truth. But he says, I'm the one who can heal you. But I'll never force you. Come to me. I give you new life. Thank you, Father. Bless us, Father, as we continue to worship you. By the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.